All right, so I'm sitting in my car recording this as usual, but um, I gotta tell you guys, I'm a little pissed, a little annoyed, um, hurt physically. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Cause my buddy Joe and I had to call our hunt early this morning. Um, you know, um, I came to this spot. I'm parked literally by the entrance of the, the property we were trying to hunt together. The first property we were trying to hunt together. And, um, what do you call it? Yeah, we, we had to call it early. <laughs> you know, uh, Joe and I met up real early this morning, about 4 a.m., started you know got to this property probably about like 15 20 minutes later and started hiking into it around 4 30 a.m which is which is early you know what i'm saying last year when i hunted this property um which i did it on my own you know i was here at the same time and was always either the first one here or the only person here in these woods and um that was really cool you know only one time did i come across another hunter um but it was only one guy so um i didn't stress it too much so uh like i said joe and i met up at like 4 a.m we're hiking into the woods by like 4 30 which is really early no other cars were parked on the side of the road which was a good sign and um we started hiking up this mountain now uh something to know is like this mountain like plateaus like twice before you know you hit the peak and as joe and i are hiking up this mountain we're probably like halfway up there we see two headlamps two uh yeah two headlamps basically i'm assuming they're headlamps but two two flashlights if you will shining down on us that's where i kind of got annoyed because immediately i knew one of two things well i can't say i got annoyed at that really because if it's if it's that you know two hunters got into the woods earlier than we did i can't knock their hustle i can't knock their grind that just means that you know uh we should have just gotten there we should have gotten up earlier we should have met up earlier and been in the woods earlier you know what i'm saying that i can't knock where i got annoyed is that um the other factor for them to have been already ahead of us and shining their light down on us from you know higher ground is how they had to have gotten there um see because just after the peak of this mountain is some private land owned by con edison then on the other side of that private land is more public land that um that access to that public land is a little bit easier to get to because there's a, a huge parking lot there and um so to get to where they have been, where they were shining light down on us from like the peak, they had to have parked, I, at least I assume, they had to have parked um, in that parking lot, climbed up the other side of the mountain, crossed, you know, hiked through the private, you know, the private property owned by Con Ed, and then be above us, you know, shining their lights down. Um... And I guess that kind of bugged me a little bit because um, I've always just, I guess from a legal standpoint, just stayed away from that property because um, 
it's not posted, but the boundaries are marked. Like they they they've marked the trees to show where the public land ends and Con Ed's property be begins. But there are no signs prohibiting anyone from you know uh, trespassing, hunting, or doing anything like that on there. So all I can say is someone else took. I believed at that time, you know, as you know, Joe and I were walking through the woods this morning that. Uh, they just took it upon themselves to walk through the property. Um, and that bugged me. So the way that I am and the way that Joe is as well, like we don't want to, you know, mess up anybody's hunt. So we did about face and started, you know, hiking back down the hill to our cars. I was like, you know what, there's other public land nearby. We'll go ahead and check that out. And um, as we were hiking back down to our cars, um see another headlamp or flashlight or just light source to the west of us so i was kind of annoyed at them like dang i'm like part of me is like okay i was right there's got to be turkeys in this wood in these woods for you know now there to be five of us in these woods um for so many you know to be there for five of us to be there uh you know what I'm saying? I had to be right that there were turkeys in these woods. So, um, yeah. So, uh, hang on. I don't know if you guys hear that truck passing by. But, yeah. So, um, so Joe and I hiked back down to our cars. And, lo and behold, there was a third car parked behind us. Um, we got into our vehicles, drove off to that piece of public land that I said was on the other side of the mountain. Um got to that parking lot and yeah there was another truck parked there so that had to be the guys that uh the hunters that we saw you know at the top of the mountain looking down on us so he and i then boogied to another spot uh we spent like over an hour there hiking that property um i was hit my pot call hoping to get a response hoping to get on some birds but over an hour hiking those trails hitting the calls got no response whatsoever um what was supposed to be a turkey hunt turned into a deer scouting trip um you know we were just looking for sign and such um and to be honest we were just like there really wasn't any place else to go because i knew that first spot we went to i knew that was it i knew that was it and it had to be with three other hunters over there, it had to be. Like, it was just, it's crazy because I had not expected it to be that pressured. It wasn't pressured like that last year. I don't know, maybe the word spread somehow that there were turkeys up there, but hey, it is what it is, right? So, um, I guess it was almost 10 o'clock, I want to say. When Joe and I decided to just call it a day because there were no birds out, at least not where we wanted to hunt. And we we didn't necessarily want to go and mess up anyone else's hunt. So we got in our cars, ready to head home. He headed home. And as I was driving, I was like, nah, man, I'm like, there's still like two hours left of hunting time. And um, just wanted to get back at it, you know, just really want to get back at it. So I went back to that property, um, the first property we went to, 
And I was like, maybe. And, and when I pulled up there, that same car that was parked behind um, Joe and I's cars um, was still there. So I was like, all right, at least I know he's still, this guy's still in the woods. Um, but now seeing the car in broad daylight, I recognize it last year. Last year when I was hunting on my own, I, I ran into just one other hunter. Um, we spoke briefly um, about what we had seen, what we had heard that day on that day's hunt. And then we, you know, parted ways. Um, that was the same car. Like I didn't now I never saw that hunter get out of that car. But that was the same car that was there that day that I saw him. So I just assumed it was his. So seeing that car parked there, um, you know, this morning, um, or I should say parked behind me now, because actually he's there now. Um, what do you call it? I assumed it was him. And as I hiked up, uh, what do you call it? Ran into him again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and he was just walking about doing his own thing. So, um, I didn't get close enough to speak to him. Um, I just saw him a couple yards away, gave him a wave, did an about face for the second time on this dang mountain and came right back to my car. And now I'm here talking to you guys. Um, now the being hurt physically part, um, as this mountain is really, really steep. And um, as I was hiking down, um, you know, there's a nice layer of leaves on the ground. As I took a step down and my heel, you know, hit the ground, um, I basically slid, you know, because the ground was muddy under the, uh, the blanket of leaves. And I kind of... I, I caught myself, but I hyperextended my knee a bit. Um, and, you know, while it hurt a bit, it doesn't hurt now, but I can feel it. Like, my knee was already bugging me hiking through the woods with, with Joe. And I had told him that. And what was Joe was cool. was like, you know, we could take our time walking or, you know, we can head back, whatever, stuff like that. But at that point, wasn't ready to go back. And so, uh, yeah, my knee's bugging me now. Um swollen a bit um i anticipate getting a little bit worse by the time i'm home but hey it's nothing that a little rest and some ice won't uh won't fix right but yeah that's that's my uh turkey hunt this morning me and joe uh we get bumped by three other hunters um don't come across any turkeys on the the other property we went to and I'm back here reporting this, recording, not reporting, recording this podcast. Um, not a great hunt this morning. Not very happy. All right, so I'm feeling a little better. <laughs> it's the next day and um, I've kind of relaxed. I've calmed down. Um, I've iced my knee. I've rested a bit. Uh, swelling is not all the way down, but, um, not bad. I'm feeling, I'm feeling better than I did yesterday. <laughs> um, all right. So, you know, welcome to the podcast. My guest today, um, I kind of, it's funny having, having interviewed my guests, right. Uh, about a couple of days ago, 
you know, we were talking about wellness and such. And one of the things I touched on, you know, was kind of the joys of, you know, when you you've hiked into your spot when you're hunting and you finally set everything up, you're you're finally sitting in your blind or your um, what do you call it? Your maybe sitting at the base of the tree waiting for the sun to come up or you're sitting in a tree stand but there's that moment of like serenity and calm that you uh, reach and you're at peace you know what i'm saying before your hunt really truly starts you're, you're kind of at peace and whatnot and i feel like probably one of the things i was annoyed with yesterday was i was i was robbed of that <laughs> i didn't get the opportunity to enjoy that to i didn't get the opportunity to enjoy watching the sun come up um, you know, sitting in the in the in the silence, enjoying it, just soaking it all up. But uh hey, like I said before, it is what it is. I'm in I'm in a better place now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh yeah, so um my guest today is a young lady by the name of Michelle DeLeon. And um we had a dope conversation, you know, talking about health and wellness as it relates to hunting, as it relates to outdoor activities. So, you know what? Uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, you guys check out the episode. Hope you enjoy it. All right. But in the meantime, here's my intro music. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of When the Hunt Calls, the only hunting podcast hosted by a middle-aged black guy from New York City. I am your host, Cliff Cadet, and with me now is Michelle DeLeon. What's going on, Michelle? Hey, Cliff. Thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to chat. Uh, no, so am I. So am I. Um, I really appreciate it. Like, like most of my listeners know, and I told you before we started hitting record, you know, I, I record these during my lunch break. So appreciate you sharing lunch with me, sharing lunchtime with me. If you're in the middle of your work day, thank you very much. Absolutely. All right. So I came across um, you um, on Instagram. Someone reposted one of your posts that made me reach out because I had never thought about um you know hunting or outdoors activities like this before but um i want to start with um just letting my listeners know um what kind of drew me to you so the quote goes being outdoors helps us breathe easier feel joy experience this holistic type mind body wellness and i'm like wow i'm like this like i told you in in the messages via instagram i never thought of hunting as a tool that could contribute to one's health and well-being so i really wanted to to get you on and pick your brain but before we even jump into that um share with us exactly you know where are you from yeah so i am from southern connecticut grew up um filipino parents and so i grew up saltwater fishing Long Island. Now I call North Dakota home in the middle of the prairie. There's no ocean by me, but find other ways to get outside and play. 
Nice, nice. And how long have you been hunting for? Ooh, I think I'm in my fourth year. So when it comes to hunting, I'm definitely someone who got recruited as an adult. I started hunting from uh, just connecting with friends in the area. I've traveled a lot, lived in several places in Europe, um, worked in Africa, throughout the U.S. And my mentality has always been do as the Romans do you know, one in Rome. So in North Dakota, hunting and fishing is real big. So uh, now I try to get out whenever I can. That's what's up. Now, how'd you end up? I mean, you you sound very well-traveled, you know, growing up in, in Connecticut, but what made you now, you know, uh, settle down in North Dakota? Yeah. Um, so I came here a few years ago because I actually have an environmental sciences background and actually went to school in New York and uh, came to North Dakota for a federal natural resources job. So I was doing pretty much everything environmental related to our water delivery and storage projects like environmental compliance, endangered species review, recreation management. Um, And then I met my partner here and he's also not originally from North Dakota, but here in, North Dakota, you know, we have excellent access to the outdoors. Much of it is private, but we still find access, whether that's national forest land, the state has um, what we call plots, which um, is land that's open to sportsmen and women. Nice, nice. How, in terms of landscape, I'm just curious, because I, I got to visit South Dakota back in one 2005 uh how different um are the two states uh in terms of hunting by any chance because i got the opportunity to i was out in um i visited a couple of the um reservations out there i was out uh where was it i'm sorry um rosebud um and where else what else is near there's another one i can't I can't right now, the name eludes me, but um, I chaperoned a group of 10 New York City teenagers out there. We were out there for about two, three weeks. And, um, you know, we got to visit the Black Hills of South Dakota, things like that. In terms of terrain and maybe access to um, hunting, uh, are the two states fairly different? Is one fairly easier than the other? If you know, I know yeah. you're talking about a different state. No, that's that's a good question. And obviously every state is different. I personally haven't hunted in South Dakota, but as part of my federal job, I worked on several projects in South Dakota. Um, You know, both states, what they have in common is that they're in the northern prairie and you've also got the Missouri, Missouri River cutting through it. And so when you're by the Missouri River, you know, you have those rolling hills, which is where I love to turkey hunt and where I will be tomorrow. (laughs) And then when you go out west, like you mentioned, the Black Hills, that's and, you know, by the Black Hills, that's where for listeners, that's where Mount Rushmore is, for example. Well, there's that kind of terrain, um, but more of dry buttes in western North Dakota. And that's where you could typically find my partner in the fall. Nice, nice. It's, it's, I gotta tell you, it's beautiful out there. I mean, the teens I chaperone and I, um, 
it we, we fell in love with the Black Hills. You know, not only did we visit Mount Rushmore, but we were over by um the Crazy Horse Memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we spent some time in Wind Cave National Park. Um, so they had a blast getting exposed to all of that. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's really cool coming from you coming from Southern Connecticut. You're you're not too far from you know New York City. And then to travel as much as you have, and then end up in a such a really dope place like North Dakota. It's it's. I let's say let's say I'm a little bit envious. <laughs> no, for real, because um, yeah. So I'm I'm from the New Haven area. In case um, you're familiar with it, and that's about 80 miles from New York City. So even as a teenager, like I'd go into this New York City with friends, and you know, show up at Grand Central, and and then when I came to North Dakota, there's just something about the prairie that really captured me. And then circling back to hunting, my first hunt was actually a guided pheasant hunt with Pheasants Forever. They have an initiative to recruit, it, um, retain and reactivate women hunters. And so it was pretty great to be able to work on shooting in the beautiful prairie and then just get on some dogs and um, walk alongside other women of different experience or hunting experience. So, you know, it's been a really good time here. Definitely different. It's to be seen if it's a forever place, but we just got right now right here and it works. Nice. Now you mentioned um, so far uh, turkey hunting and pheasant hunting. What other, uh, what other types of hunting do you do? Yeah. Um, so when I was in Maine, I did some grouse and uh, timber doodle hunting. Timber doodle goes by a few names. Um, timber doodle? You said timber doodle. I'm I'm escaping their other name right now. Um, I thought that name was a joke until <laughs> I googled it, and um, they've got a long beak. And they like peck into the ground, eat bugs. Their name's totally escaping me right now. Maybe we can put it in the show notes. All the different, all the different names for a timber doodle. Um, but I, I, I really oh, like. <laughs> I, I will be googling this once we get off. Once we oh, you have recording. to, you have to, because the name doesn't sound real. <laughs> so um, right now, I really enjoy small or. I enjoy birds, small game. Um, waterfowl is really fun. There's just something really exciting about standing in the water as the sun comes up, admiring the birds, especially in North Dakota, where you know it's like a waterfowl production area with all the prairie potholes. Uh, mm-hmm. There are also plenty of migratory geese, and um, and so there's they're just so fun. And you know, I'm just thinking about my first goose hunt when I was laying in a blind, you know, I wasn't wearing camo. It was my first time. I'm also like 4'11 and 115 pounds. So borrowing other people's clothes for hunting is really difficult for me. Wow. <laughs> okay. So was, yeah. So it was like, oh, you know, am I going to, you know, am I going to be prepared? But then I, you know, I was around a group of people who really assured me and reminded me, hey, you know, you're wearing black. You match the inside of the blind. That's what matters. It's like, all right. You know, I'm sure people could argue with that, but it helped me feel comfortable and being able to see birds cup in and take them with people that I love. Like that was really amazing. Um, Some people consider spear fishing, just fishing, 
Um, but I also dark house spearfish. So that's like cutting a hole into a large hole into the water, setting up a dark house over it and waiting for Northern Pike to come by and spearing them. Um, and they, they're real firm meat. So I, I think they're delicious to cook with. Oh, awesome. I, I'd love to try that one day. I think that's the the biggest thing for me is I'm I'm really adventurous when it comes to my food. So I look so forward to uh, so I've had wild turkey now, but I mean, turkey is something that, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, at least if you celebrate Thanksgiving, you're familiar with you're you're comfortable with. But um, I look forward to I've yet to kill my first deer. So I look forward to venison, even though I have tasted venison before, you know, at least it's a totally different story with having harvested it yourself. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I haven't. I'm actually maybe this will surprise you. I'm not a big meat eater. Oh, no. Um, I used to be a vegetarian and just kind of. I really enjoyed eating vegetables and cooking vegetables, harvesting vegetables, and I would be really picky about the meat that I consumed. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's like I would go to a farmer's market and pay, you know, what, $7 a pound for ground meat. And that's just not a sustainable um, budget for me, at least. But then once I started hunting and, you know, my my boyfriend is from a family of hunters, then that's when I started eating more meat. And I feel like hunting has made me even more picky about the meat that I choose to eat, because at least when I'm hunting, it's like I know exactly where this came from. Like I'm part of that landscape. And so it feels really exciting. And I hear you that it's just different when you're the one taking an animal. So like right now, I'm not really into large game hunting like deer. Mm -hmm. I did tag along for a deer hunt. And it was so exciting to see my partner take a mule deer doe. I was his tag in the Badlands of North Dakota. And then to process it and to it just feels different when I cook meals with that doe. It's it's just different from any other deer that we have in the freezer. That's so awesome. I I gotta tell you, I'm so glad. Uh, one you that I reached out and one you and two you said yes because I find it so intriguing when someone has a journey like that. You know, you you had one thought process or or one thing you enjoyed by ways of the food um you consume, but then you know you just decided to give something else a try and found that you enjoyed that as well so that's kudos to you for keeping an open mind to it um that's really cool for sure yeah and i know we're not at this point in the conversation yet but for me that's wellness you know that connection with the landscape eating foods that i trust that i feel safe eating um that i know that was taken ethically like that for me that's wellness Nice. Now, well, thank you for that transition, because um, <laughs> one, of the thing, one of the things that I learned about you as I kind of dove into your your Instagram page is that you're a wellness coach. Now, could you share with us what being a wellness coach entails exactly? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know that feeling when you go outside, the sunshine hits your face and it just feels expansive, like you can do whatever you put your mind to and then you go home and then you feel overwhelmed and it's like that sunshine didn't happen so i help people 
uh, what I say, level up their resilience and transform with nature. Every wellness coach is different. I don't believe that there's any wellness coach that's better than another. It's really about fit. So I work with people who are always seeking more in life, who enjoy the outdoors and want to get unstuck. You know, we live in a world where we're so attached to technology, where, you know, it's really hard to say no to other people and yes to ourselves. So as a wellness coach, I work one-on-one with people to uncover the stories that they tell themselves about their wellness. I teach them about different dimensions of their wellness. So that could be their physical, their social wellness, their mental, just as examples. And with every step of the way, I'm weaving that connection to the outdoors. And for me, that's really important because you know, I I really see the world through my personal experiences, but also my trainings. And my trainings, I mentioned earlier, I'm an environmental scientist, and also I'm a yoga instructor. And oh, so wow. I like to, yeah, so I like to bring the two together. And, you know, even why you reached out to me with, I never really thought about, you said, wellness, or hunting as wellness. And when I think of the outdoors industry, There's a lot of marketing toward, frankly, white men that to do more, look at Kuyu, look at First Light, just as examples of brands that are trying to get people like, you know, do more, achieve more, don't fail, be precise. And when we go outdoors to hunt, to fish, whatever this activity is, yes, we are going for the pursuit. I would be lying if I said it's not about the pursuit. Mm-hmm. But it's also because it just makes us feel good. And like, I really believe that we can do things that just make us feel good. And then mm-hmm. when it comes to the wellness industry, you get, you know, I, you know, if you're living in New York, I know you know about women wearing Lululemon carrying Starbucks coffee. Like, <laughs> that, that's a lot. That's a lot of the wellness industry. Men are often left out of that. But not only are men, people of color left out of that Lululemons and coffee image, but then there's also like this direct connection to the environment that's often left out. So I'm trying to fill that gap between the outdoors and wellness industries. Nice. I, it's, I laugh because for two reasons, because um, I <laughs> I was in the shopping mall yesterday uh, evening and I came across a Lululemon store. That's one. And then as a UPS driver today, I just delivered one of their packages. So I have to, <laughs> so I have to laugh. But though I appreciate you um, pointing that out and making the correlation because I find that for me, like like you mentioned, that, that thrill of the chase is awesome. But I find that sweet spot for me happens to be like, when I enter the woods in the cover of darkness and whether I'm in a tree stand or sitting in a blind or sitting at the base of a tree waiting for the sun to come up, just that that peace, that quiet, that sort of serenity that just tends to just put me at ease. And I feel like I'm, I can tackle anything from that moment on. It, it's just that one that one moment of of just calm. 
and and I love it. I love it every time that I, I head out into the woods. I look forward to just that that time after I've just I've set up. Let's say tomorrow morning, for example, I'm going turkey hunting. I look forward to that time that once I've set up my decoys, I've set up my knee blind, and I can just sit at the base of the tree and wait for the sun to come up. Sometimes I take a nap. Sometimes I literally, as odd as it sounds, I listen to the silence. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. And you deserve that. And that's exactly that feeling that I'm talking about that, you know, we, I I really believe that when we reframe our experiences going outdoors, that it's not just, oh, I'm going to take a bird. Because especially, you know, if you're in a state where you only have one tag, you only take one bird, you know, it kind of elucidates this reality that you're really not just going for one bird, you're going for the whole experience. And I think, and this is me as well, you know, I'm human that when we go out and hunt, like we have to be this tough person that can endure rain, snow, sleet, whatever. If you're turkey hunting, you know about 2 a.m. alarm clocks and, (laughs) you know, like you're told that you have to do these tough things. And so it, kind of makes it harder to talk about wellness like it's kind of shameful almost to say I don't feel good or shameful to say I've been having a really bad week and I've been feeling stuck because at work my manager is giving me bs all the time I'm not really communicating with my family my friends are pushing me to go on this trip that's not really in my budget Like there are these things that happen during the week and I really believe we shouldn't have to escape our life to get that feeling of calm at the base of a tree that you described. Like there are tools available um, that I can share with people to be able to bring that into their every day. That's awesome. That's all because it's true. It's I, I don't think I should have to travel or anyone should have to travel two, three hours to get to the woods, though enjoyable. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They can, There are folks like you, you know what I'm saying, that are available to help people, um, you know, gain, uh, I guess, the skills necessary to achieve that so, sort of same, um, I guess, uh, well-being that we're talking about out in the woods, but still be able to achieve that at home. Right. Yeah. And there's even things that I believe we can do when we're outside to optimize our experience. So we can, when we're not outside, we can better tune into that feeling. Mm -hmm. So one example would be when we're outside, rather than feeling anxious, just talking an example of turkey hunting, rather than feeling anxious, like, okay, I haven't seen a bird in an hour and a half two hours but I'm not done because the sun's only been up for three like where am I gonna go rather Mm. than you know learning how to interrupt those thoughts and as you mentioned listen to the silence listen to your gut being able to trust yourself and there are even other things like physical things that we can do um, to prevent injury Uh, I'm a especially this my bias as a yoga instructor but you know our body through our injuries holds stories hold stress like even when you're sitting in front of your computer or maybe when you're driving you're like hunched over and it's kind of harder to breathe so there are just physical things that we can do to optimize our experience outside so we can continue to feel this wellness a sense of resilience 
when life is throwing its curveballs at us. Nice, nice. You know what? Is there, um, I mean, we could share this later, but I just wanted to ask, um, is there, uh, like, do you uh, maybe help people virtually if need be? Because I know you're out in North Dakota, but um, if I wanted to recommend someone out here to you and say like, hey, um, I know uh, this wellness coach out of North Dakota, her name's Michelle, hit her up. And, like, are you willing to meet up with people virtually to kind of coach them through stuff? Absolutely. Actually, all of my wellness coaching is virtual because oh. locations, uh, you know, it's like it's a privilege to live in, near someone who you need help from. And mm-hmm. like and so I want to be able to make my offerings, my support more available. So when I launched Resilioke, the name of my wellness brand, I decided let's make it virtual. I am going to have in-person events and still expanding. Um, there's going to be some, you know, in-person yoga opportunities like this summer. I'm really psyched to, um, be teaching stand-up paddleboard yoga. So there are those kinds of in-person offerings, but all my coaching is online virtual. Nice. All right. So we'll make sure, um, before we stop recording, definitely going to put your, share your information out there to allow people to reach out to you and take advantage of, you know, the services that you're able to offer. Sweet. Thank you. Right. So now um, let's let's backtrack a little bit. I'm curious to know. Um, all right. So what is your if you had to choose one, what's your favorite outdoor activity? Ooh. OK, so I would say I feel like being on a hunting podcast, I have to say hunting. <laughs> but no my pressure, favorite, no pressure. <laughs> my favorite bird or my favorite animal to hunt is a turkey they're so ugly but and stupid but damn <laughs> they will outsmart me every time and th- you know i still have friends that make fun of me because like i've missed so many turkey and i'll be just within yards five ten yards of them and i don't shoot because I see them strut and they're just so incredibly beautiful. The sounds that they're making their display and who knows, maybe I'm a turkey inside and I'm just humbled by (laughs) and flattered by a Tom. But um, if I'd really have to pick um, one, I'd probably go kayaking. Uh, I think I'm a water baby through and through, especially, you know, my parents actually still live in the house that I grew up in. And that's about 10 miles from Long Island Sound. Grew up fishing Long Island Sound. Um, there's just a kind of peace that I get on the water. Um, and one of the reasons I like kayaking is the mobility, being able to either float um, downwind and be relaxed or paddle a distance. Um, but having said that, I'm pretty much down for whatever, like I'll hike, I'll rock climb, boulder in a gym, um, any kind of fishing, really, whether it's open water, uh, ice. Yeah, I mean, I just really enjoy being outside, especially as someone who spent a lot of time on my computer. So I got to get out there. Oh, I hear you. I totally understand. So two things. One. I appreciate you mentioning turkey hunting, right? And uh, I got a, I've got um, 
say one thank you for admitting that you know you could spend the time appreciating the bird you know and not take the shot because I feel like mm-hmm. if I if I went ahead went ahead and admitted something like that I get ridiculed like crazy <laughs> but I appreciate that I totally understand that it, and you know what's funny is I've I've told people because I've, I've yet to kill a deer and um even mm-hmm. though I had the deer in my sights I've told people like um when but when I before I actually first started deer hunting, I told people I'm like I honestly don't know if I could kill a deer. I won't know until the opportunity presents itself. I now believe that I can, but I truly appreciate that sometimes you know there there may be a time something may click in your head that at that point in time, you may just want to stop and appreciate being in that animal's presence. Granted, mm-hmm. you're out out there to hunt, but I can understand if somebody told me like, hey. I was just so enamored with the beauty of this animal. I just, at this moment in time, you know, I just didn't want to take the shot. And I can respect that. I can totally respect that. Yeah. And I think that goes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier with wellness. It's just, you know, when you're enamored by the beauty and humbled by an animal, you know, it just reminds you that you don't just go out to get food. You know, you go out to have this whole experience being in the landscape. So I think that makes sense. I think I got to be honest, too. I have been chasing turkey since 2019, and I have so many great stories of all the Toms and Jakes I've missed, and I have not yet harvested my first (laughs) turkey. Uh, Uh, How long is your turkey season in North Dakota? uh, I think it's six-ish weeks, something like that. So Uh, it ends this weekend and I've had some family travels as well as we had a blizzard that left us in our home for about two weekends. So there's, there's been some extenuating circumstances. I just want to share my, uh, my, what happened my last season. This was in, uh, in Maine and, you know, I have the confidence I've, feel so grateful to have the support that I had learning how to turkey hunt. Now I feel I have the confidence, you know, what you're saying, like, can I even kill a deer? Like now I know for sure I can kill a turkey. And (laughs) um, so I was by myself and, you know, I was, I think I had to have gone to this spot around 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m., just nothing the sun has totally um come up i'm like all right i'm gonna go in my next spot well as i'm driving down this gravel road um in this commercial forest stand so it's all open to logging or it's all logging activities open to hunting and so as i'm driving down to this other spot that i've scouted before i see a jake in the ditch and the ditch is probably like 30-ish yards wide. And so I pull my vehicle over and in Maine, it's illegal to have your um, your gun loaded and in reach. So I grabbed my shells in one hand, my gun in the other hand, pulled over. I'm like, shit, yeah, this is what I'm <laughs> practicing for. And I'm loading my shells by feel. I run into, run across a ditch, which on the other side is a line of trees and entering the forest. And and I was like, where's this bird? No kidding, Cliff. He flushed within 
it had to have been within 10, if I had to guess seven yards of me. I mounted, click. I didn't have a shell in my chamber. I was like, what the hell? Really? And then I was oh. like, and then, but when he flushed, it was too late to even try and cycle another shell in. I'm like, what the hell? Oh. I'm walking back to my vehicle. Just, I, sh- I use a 20 gauge, just a little yellow shell on the ground. So I mentioned I was loading my gun by feel. Yeah, well, I dropped one on the ground. And I think that's just part of what hunting is. You learn as oh. you go. <laughs> that's heartbreaking. It is, it is, but I can smile about it now. I was really no. upset that morning, but. <laughs> no, but I think that's that's the best thing I think I've learned about, you know, taking on hunting as an adult or just taking on hunting in general has been the stories I've been able to tell and the stories I've been able to hear from others. So like that, that's the coolest thing, you know, about all of it, period. For sure. And it's, you know, and, uh, um, in Resilioke, my, my wellness brand, my, one of the things I say is resilience is wellness. And I believe that hunting is one of those best ways to learn resilience both within yourself and in the landscape because you know I totally at that moment or any season prior I could have been like f this you know I keep messing up all these things pop up whatever I'm not gonna hunt again but to me that's not what resilience is it's being able to bounce back through that and then also learning through the landscape as that as the season unfolds or spring unfolds and seeing the changes in the landscape and learning from it and trying to understand that like, it's okay if you make mistakes because nature makes mistakes on its own. Like, or at least that's not perfect. You know, so I really enjoy being out there. Oh, Cliff, you're muted. Sorry about that. I don't know if you can hear, but there's a dog barking in the background. So I was like, I don't want to get so much of the dog barking, but (laughs) I've got to ask, um, you mentioned having different, and then you hear the horn honking. Um, I've got to ask, you mentioned, um, you know, uh, difficulty with finding right size gear to wear. Have there been, especially being an adult onset hunter, has there been any other challenges you've encountered um, when you started out hunting? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, gear, I'm grateful. I have another petite friend. So she's been able to point me in the direction of gear that really fits for her body shape. Mm -hmm. Um, Other other things, I think, and maybe this is just something that you might experience, but, you know, being an adult, who picks up hunting rather than someone who comes from a hunting heritage um, across generations, there's almost like this assumption that you don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, especially you don't know because you're not from here or you didn't grow up hunting or frankly, you don't look like us, mm-hmm. you know, your culture is different. You talk different. Um, So I think that would be a a barrier and 
one of the ways I work through it is, you know, I'm not really someone who feels this need to prove myself. So it's like, I just go out and do my thing and, you know, not let other people kill my joy and just show them what I can do through my take. <laughs> nice. Nice. I can relate. And I definitely props to you for just powering through. All right. So one of my last questions is going to be um, now, again, well, how many years? You said like four years into hunting mm-hmm. now? Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to someone uh, just starting out? I would say grow in the discomfort. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, Sitting in the rain sucks. Like, there's no way around it. It sucks. Anyone who tells you that they love it is lying or has chronic (laughs) pneumonia. You know, that sucks. Setting a 2 a.m. alarm sucks. And coming home after being out all day and coming home late, like, and needing to clean animals or fish, like, it's not, that's not the sexy part of it, especially when you look online and you see, look at these, all these people with all their deer or birds, or, you know, they took their limit, what have you, like, Mm. you know, they probably did a lot of learning, they probably did a lot of failing before they got to that point. And so I'd for sure say, like, you know, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable, but that's where the growth happens. Um, And I'm for sure someone who's of a growth mindset, always trying to be better than I was before. And I'd say also don't get discouraged. You know, I'm in year three now where I haven't gotten a turkey. Um, I had a mentor who it took him. 14 years to I think he must have been doing something else wrong but it took him 14 (laughs) years to get his first turkey and there are people that I do know who came from many generations of hunters and it took them several years to get their first pheasant to get their first waterfowl deer whatever it is and part of hunting is that perseverance understanding that when you can't feel your fingers because your gun is that cold when you're out of water, whatever it is, again, that's where the growth happens. So that would be my my biggest piece of advice. All I got to say is preach, sister, preach. <laughs> it's the truth. So it's like, it, you know, everything you just said uh, kind of reminds me of that phrase, embrace the suck. Yeah. And, and I thank you so much for, for pointing this out on this episode or just on this podcast in general, because throughout hunting media period, you a lot of times you don't see when that hunter is freezing their ass off or or um, what do you call it? They're wet and or they they fall in or something like that. You see you see a little bit of, you know, some some minor difficulties. Maybe they forgot some gear or something like that. But ultimately, the successes are shared, shared, not not really the failure. So thank you so much for for sharing that with us and being open and honest with us. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I just want to add one more thing hearing you talk about what not gets shared. Um, I think that there's this perception, especially from non or people who don't hunt mm-hmm. that like, oh, you can just go out and the animals there. But it takes Uh, a lot of work to find that animal. And right before 
turkey season started here in North Dakota, I arrived back in North Dakota on a plane. I got in my car and filled up my tank, spent half my gas tank driving through the unit looking for birds, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just, okay, everyone knows gas is expensive right now, so I'm not going to go into that. (laughs) Please, yeah. Right. But then there's also the fact that, you know, I'm investing this whole day. Look after sitting on a plane all day or, you know, all morning, afternoon, looking for a glimpse of a bird on property that I haven't hunted before or checking what it's like on public lands, getting familiar with the public lands, knowing the regulation. And it's it's not just hoping, you know, a private landowner who already knows he has turkey or whatever animals it's it's there's a lot of work at every stage and i think that there's that not so glamorous stuff that isn't included in instagram pictures no definitely all right you know what to to bring this to a close please uh share with everyone where they can find you reach whether social media your website email whatever you're willing to share with us so folks can reach out to you and and learn from you yeah absolutely and i love connecting with people definitely a people person here so the best way to reach out to me is through instagram like cliff did i'm at resilioak um r-e-s-i-l-i-o-a-k uh, and you can also find me at resilioak.com or email me hello at resilioak.com. And yeah, I, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to chat with you, talk about how being outdoors is wellness and that, you know, we all deserve to feel good when we go out and throughout the week. Agreed. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle DeLeon, thank you so much for, again, taking the time out to speak with me, learned a lot. Um, you heard her contact info. You guys definitely make it a point to reach out. Um, I will be doing so because uh, I know there's a lot for me to learn as well. So thank you again for taking the time out to speak with me. Thank you, Cliff, for inviting me. I hope you have a good weekend. Good luck turkey hunting. You too. <laughs> Thanks. I need it. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. I got to thank Michelle for taking the time out to, uh, you know, speak with me. Um, Like she said, you know, like we spoke about, it's all about health and wellness. It's all about your well-being and, you know, hunting, enjoying outdoors, outdoor activities can definitely, definitely uh, play uh, a role in achieving a level of wellness that Hey, that you want, you know what I'm saying? A happiness that you want, a calm that you want. So um, like I spoke about with Michelle, I'm going to put her contact information in the show notes for you guys to reach out if you'd like. Um, Definitely, I would say take advantage of it, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Um, All right, folks. Um, Listen, hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, If it was your first time listening, hey, thanks for taking a chance on this podcast. If you are a return listener, someone who follows, likes, subscribes to this podcast, listen, thank you for coming back every week and listening to conversations I'm having with some cool people. And um, whether it's your first time or, again, you're a regular listener, hey, head over to the review section of this podcast. Hook me up with a five-star rating and a dope review 
um, a dope written review. Um, from what I understand with Apple Podcasts, you you can leave a five star rating and you can leave a written review. All right. Um, so if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, that would really be cool. Um, Spotify, um, you can only leave a rating from what I understand or from what I know. Um, but then again, I've got the free version of Spotify, so maybe it just limits me to what I can do. But um, on Apple Podcasts, just scroll all the way down to the bottom and you can write the review on Spotify. You have to go to the show. Then there's like three three dots, dot, 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 that you, you tap on and it'll give you the option. Rate this show and please hook a brother up with a five star review. When you do so, um, I guess it, it helps people find the podcast easy or these podcast platforms will do a better job of putting it out there. Um, so if you're not already also, Hey, follow, subscribe to the podcast, um, share it. If you will, if you enjoy the episode or if you share your favorite episode, you know what I'm saying? Um, with anyone you think that might enjoy it. All right, folks. Thank you again. Like I said, for joining me and, uh, Hey, join me again next week for another dope interview, another dope guest, another dope conversation. All right, you guys stay blessed and remember to respect the journey even when it's not your own.